Welcome to Optimistic Voices, a podcast of helping children worldwide. We help children worldwide by strengthening and empowering families and communities. This podcast is for people interested in deep conversations with thought leaders in the fields of child welfare, global health, and international missions. Welcome to the Optimistic Voices podcast. I'm your host, Yasmin Vaughn. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about appropriate training for mission teams. Now, a few weeks ago, we did an episode with Tori Ruark, and we discussed the seven standards of excellence in short-term missions. And in today's episode, we will talk more about standard six, which is appropriate training. Now, an excellent short-term mission team prepares and equips all its participants for mutual designed outreach and is expressed by biblical, appropriate, and timely training, ongoing training and equipping pre-field, on-field, and post-field, and qualified trainers. And this is all from the Standards of Excellence. So today with me, I have Andrea Croes. Cruz. Cruz. <laughs> okay, we're doing that again. Today <laughs> with me, I wrote down just to ask you to be sure, but I'm wrong. So uh, with me today to talk about this is Andrea Cruz. Andrea has been on staff with Touch the World since 2004 and currently serves as the training and curriculum coordinator where she finds innovative ways to train and prepare students to serve locally and globally. Andrea is also the head instructor of the Missions Academy, an online learning platform that equips people to do short-term missions better. Andrea and her husband, Jesse, have three children, two of whom were born in Uganda, Africa, where they served overseas as missionaries for five years. In Uganda, they learned a lot about life in another culture, more than ever about God, and formed some of the most meaningful relationships of their lives. While living overseas, Andrea developed a deep love of culture and is now one of her favorite topics to learn about and to teach. She's currently pursuing her master's degree at Fuller Seminary in Global Missions Leadership. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're so glad to. It was wonderful to meet you, uh, I think, two years ago at the Global Missions Conference in Oregon. Uh, And so I'm glad that we get to touch base again and talk about training. So let's start with how did you get involved with mission training? So I actually started going on short-term mission trips when I was a junior high student. um, And those were always with Touch the World. Training was always a core component of the trip. So in a lot of ways, I knew no other way of being involved in short-term missions than to go through training beforehand. Um, After many years between junior high and then throughout college, I continued to be involved with Touch the World, and I eventually joined the staff as the director of short-term missions. So a few years after being in that position, I met my now husband, and to make a long story short, we eventually ended up serving in Uganda, Africa full-time. And while we were in Uganda, we would receive short-term teams. And we found that even though they did receive some training beforehand, they were still somewhat ill-prepared to serve within our context of vast cultural difference and extreme poverty. And we were really learning ourselves in those fields at the time as we were there. And so during that time of learning for ourselves, we started to put together our own training curriculum that we found many of the short-term teams were missing. And then in 2013, we accepted a leadership role and touched the world's home office in New Jersey after being in Uganda for five years. And we have now taken that curriculum that we developed during our time serving and receiving teams in Uganda. And that's now become the backbone of Touch the World's missions training today. 
Excellent. That's such an interesting story that you guys have. And I hope one day you and I can dive more into that into another episode. But why don't you tell us a little bit more about Touch the World and the Missions Academy and their uh, history of training mission teams? Sure. So Touch the World's mission is to equip youth to live out the mission of God every day and everywhere. We see short-term missions as a tool in the discipleship process of students and young adults. However, we never want to use a short-term mission for the benefit of the person who's going at the expense of those on the ground that they're going to work with. So our heart is really for training and equipping, for preparing teams for effective service that will be done in a culturally informed way through partnership, and that will seek to help without hurting. But also in that process for the students themselves or the participants on the trip to experience transformation in their own personal development, uh, building global competency, and just growing in their spiritual life. So for years, uh, Touch the World began in 1990, um, so it's been quite a few years, uh, we have been training teams of students to go out and serve before they go out on a mission trip. And currently, we train those students in person at our training campus in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, and then we send them out on mission. But we've been kind of limited in our capacity of how many people we can reach in person and somewhat confined to those just in our geographical area. We mostly work with groups from New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. But based on the experience and the response of those teams we have sent out, we really knew that we had something very special in terms of our training curriculum. And we wanted to make that available to the church at large since we saw that there was really very little kind of pre-made options for good training for short-term missions. So a few years ago, we started making our curriculum accessible online through what's now called the Missions Academy, uh, themissionsacademy.com. And we now have churches and groups of both student and adult teams who are across the country that are able to benefit from the essential training, but utilize the content in a way that kind of fits their context for sending out teams. Fantastic. Thank you. I've had a chance to go through the curriculum on the Missions Academy website. It's really wonderful. If you're looking for a tool to train teams in short-term missions, uh, it's a great set of coursework that you can have them go through. Um, Although I imagine that our mission teams are quite disappointed that I don't send them to live in the Poconos for a week uh, and do their training. I think they would would like that um, a lot. Uh, I think we'll talk about this a little bit more, but I also like that you mentioned the balance that you have to strike between trying to make sure that the goers, the people going on the mission trip, have a a good experience and are well-trained and are well-developed, but also making sure that that development and uh, cultivating that life-changing experience, as sometimes short-term missions is referred to, uh, is not at the expense of uh, the experience of receiving teams. So why is it that training is so crucial for mission teams? Absolutely. Well, what you just said, Yasmin, is like, that was the experience that we had in receiving teams where we saw that the team members themselves were having a great experience, but it was kind of like leaving a wake behind in our community. And so we wanted to make sure and really kind of reframe the conversation that is often so negative on short-term missions to say, it doesn't have to be that way. And that it can still be done if we hold both of those things in tandem together at the same time. And that's really why we believe that training is essential. Uh, That phrase is actually one of our core mission principles. Training is essential. And we believe that for a few different reasons. Uh, First, training provides the framework for the entire experience. 
setting expectations and allowing a chance for participants to evaluate their motivations for being a part of the trip. The essence of training is preparation. And there's a quote that says, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. So we deeply desire to see short-term missions no longer failing in their efforts, or maybe better said, like able to have a greater impact. And we believe that that will come primarily through the training that is done beforehand. We also train out of respect for our host missionaries and for their community. The reality is that without training, teams are more likely to be insensitive or unthoughtful and cause harm, even if they come with the best of intentions. When we recognize that the great lengths that the missionaries or the local ministry leaders have gone through to build relationships in their community or to establish thriving programs, we need to come prepared to enhance and encourage that work and not hinder it. And we also need to come as good guests, recognizing that those missionaries on the ground or those local leaders, they're the ones who have established the work. And we're simply privileged to join in and bear witness to that. So training helps us build kind of this new perspective and align our expectations with that ideal. And then I would say another of our core mission principles is that partnership matters. Without recognizing the importance of partnership, which is established through training, this is where most short-term mission teams miss the mark. It also goes back to the idea of the standards of excellence. So empowering partnerships and mutual design are one of the other standards. And I think they really must go in tandem with this idea of appropriate training. So I'll give a couple examples of what happens when training doesn't happen for a team. Uh, So for example, we would receive a number of teams while we were in Uganda. And I heard similar stories from other global missionaries that when teams come without a partnership mindset, they often come with a lot of gifts, like suitcases full of gifts. But without taking time to examine our motivations prior to a trip, a team comes with this desire to do good by giving out things. And they have a heart to help, but it will likely lead to teams just wanting to share their resources or for teams to assume that they know what the need is and to bring something to fulfill what they think is the need. And that often results in a lot of handouts that makes the participants feel good because they see reactions of immediate joy. But what they don't see is the unintentional harmful consequences of those gifts after they leave. One of my missionary friends uh, who serves in Juarez, Mexico, she described it like this. She said, when some short-term teams come, they're like the spoiling grandparents. They come with the candy and toys, but their interaction is short-lived. And eventually the grandparents, as we know, they hand the kids, or in our case, they hand the community back to the parents. And she said, we're like the parents as the missionaries. We're left behind with children who are now entitled and high on a sugar rush. She goes on to say then that the missionaries in the community can become the bad guys. And we experienced the same thing in Uganda, even though we asked teams before they arrived. And even though uh, during our orientation, we told them, please never hand out any free gifts because of the way it can cause conflict in the community. Some people still did it. And we didn't have those rules because we wanted to keep something out of the hands of our community members or because we wanted to be mean, but because we knew that actual needs of the people in the community. So we saw the people who were not most in need receiving things from teams. 
And we knew that those gifts would then be turned around and sold or misused as soon as the team left. Meanwhile, those with who we knew had the greatest need within the community received nothing. And it stirred up this jealousy and competition with among people within our community. So just a little bit of training beforehand that frames the mission trip as a partnership with the ministry on the ground can prevent these types of things from happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I, we've had the same issues with mission teams before. Um, even now we have a, a whole guideline on appropriate gifts mm-hmm. because working within Sierra Leone, there is a gift culture of when you come to visit someone, you bring a, a gift. It's, it's, sure. it's culturally acceptable, but we try to make sure that those gifts are framed within cultural acceptability. We try to acquire things locally instead of bringing things from the U.S. Uh, and we always make sure that our partners on the ground uh, it would be so like you missionaries are the ones who distribute the gifts so yeah. that the gift is never associated with our mission teams that travel over. Yes, absolutely. One and the, the- that concept doesn't often connect with the goers, like the participants on our trip, unless we frame it within an aspect of training. Like it's one thing to just say, please don't hand out gifts is another thing to really explain the reasoning behind it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so key. And it's, I always say that it is our direction, not our intention that determines our destination. The intention is usually very good, uh, wanting to form those mutual partnerships and relationships, but the direction that it goes in isn't always great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Another thing that you kind of touched on a little bit is the goal of traveling. If the goal of going is mutual partnerships, bearing witness, joining in with others, then how we go about doing that is different than if our goal is something else. Yes. And having those goals defined up front are really pivotal because you can have a team of, say, 20 people coming together and they might all have completely different goals. So without having that time of training beforehand, you're never going to be able to get all of the participants on the same page, right? We want to establish as the one who's sending, as the one who's receiving, we want to establish what those goals are together. Absolutely. Yeah. Our first uh, week of missions training with our teams, we spend going through why should you go? What's the purpose of missions? What's the history of missions in the world? Uh, And examining your own motivations. Do I want to go simply because I've always wanted to travel and see the world? Or do I want to go with other intentions? And of course, you don't travel to Sierra Leone unless you enjoy traveling. It's quite a journey. And I'm sure going to Uganda is the same thing. Uh, So we we acknowledge that there are, of course, going to be other motivations. But what are our core motivations and how we can alter those to fit within the goals of the project? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's our first aspect of training. Uh, What sort of training topics do you recommend that teams be trained on and why? Yeah. So I believe that there are really four main categories or topics that all short-term teams need to be trained in before they go. Uh, The first two are intricately tied together. And that would be what I would call God's story and our story. So if our short-term teams are going with hopefully a purpose of sharing the love of Christ and the gospel message in some way, we can't assume that they actually know what that is. So training should include an element of understanding and knowing God's story of what the gospel actually says, um, but also a time of self-discovery to realize the ways in which our own stories 
can actually reflect the biblical narrative of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration that we see all throughout scripture. And then given the various cultural contexts that teams may be serving in, the best way to contextualize the gospel is to share it through our own stories of identity and brokenness and rescue through Christ. I would say the next two topics are culture and poverty. And in my experience and kind of research on how most churches or organizations are training teams, I've seen that typically maybe only one of these areas is often touched upon. So you'll find some groups who require, say, the reading of When Helping Hurts uh, by Corbett and Ficker, which is a great book and a fantastic read and highly recommended. Um, And in that book, they emphasize the reality that there are healthy and there are unhealthy ways of working with the economically poor. but if you don't like some groups only touch on that. Right. And then other groups may completely ignore the poverty component and focus solely on cultural awareness. So at touch the world, like we truly believe that both of these topics are essential regardless of maybe how little poverty or cultural differences a team may be experienced or exposed to Uh, when it comes to culture. Teams will often focus their training on a very specific, like cultural rules or do's and don'ts for a very specific trip destination. We tend to focus less on the specifics, and we'll leave those things up to be shared by the host in country. And instead, we'll train in a way that gets participants just to realize how much their own culture influences the way in which they see the world. In this way, they can be equipped with just basic skills for engaging with anyone who's different from them. And that's a benefit, not just for the short-term mission trip itself, but also for the life of a disciple of Christ. And then learning about poverty, even if the service context may not be among the material poor, it helps participants to break down an us versus them mentality when they understand that poverty stems from broken relationships. That's a concept that we teach on, which is brought forth by Jaya Kumar Christian and Bryant Myers. um, And it's kind of the basis of When Helping Hurts, that book. But when we come to see that we have brokenness in our own relationships with God, ourselves, and others, it puts us on an even playing field with the so-called recipients of our service. And in this way, we're able to see our trip more as a learning experience rather than one of an opportunity to just like exhort cultural or financial superiority. So we definitely see that both of those aspects of culture and poverty are really important to touch on regardless of where you're going. That's fantastic. I agree. I have seen uh, mission teams be trained in either one or neither of these topics. Mm -hmm. Um, With our teams, we also like to focus on the idea of similarities and differences, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think you're hinting at a little bit here, that recognizing differences that, oh, this is something culturally very different. There's something else going on here that I'm not really picking up on. I need to pay better attention, but also Mm -hmm. acknowledging that at the end of the day, we're, we're not that different. Yes. Yes, absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Orphan Sunday and a Strong Family for Every Child campaign. Did you know that together we can help create a healthier and happier future for orphaned and vulnerable children to experience the fullness of life? Orphan Sunday is a day set aside to recognize and raise awareness among the public, families, churches, individuals, and advocacy groups about the situation of over 150 million children that are classified as orphans in the world. 
This year's Offer Sunday will fall on November 12. A Strong Family for Every Child is a grassroots campaign to ensure that every child has a strong family and every orphan is set in a safe and loving family. What role can you play in promoting Orphan Sunday and a Strong Family for Every Child campaign? One, you can raise awareness about the plights of orphans and vulnerable children. Two, you can donate to help orphan care organizations and the children deserve to go from surviving to thriving. No matter how little your financial support can be, you can make a significant impact. Three, you can advocate for these children in your own unique ways. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God sets the lonely in families. Together, we will see every child thriving in a loving family as they are embraced within a collaborative community. So, visit Helping Children Worldwide today and see how you can get involved with Orphan Sunday and Strong Family for Every Child. So let's go back to those standards we shared, the key indicators for appropriate training from standards of excellence. So those were biblical, appropriate, and timely training, ongoing training and equipping in the pre-field, so before departure, on-field, in-country, and post-field, returning back to your home country, and qualified trainers. Would you comment on these three indicators? Yes, absolutely. So we'll start with the first one. We've got biblical, appropriate, and timely training. Um, Let me start by saying when designing a training program, in some ways, each training should be unique to a degree based upon the trip itself and the makeup of the team. So always define your outcomes first. What do you need your participants to know? What do they need to be able to do and to be like? And then work backwards to determine what your training needs to include. So going to these key indicators, let's start with appropriate. Does it fit the needs of this specific trip? Are we training in topics that are relevant and useful? Are we providing tangible training and experience and specific skills or knowledge that is pivotal to the mutually defined goals of the trip? So is it appropriate? Right Then we can look at the timely aspect. Is training happening at the right times? Are we starting too soon before the trip that everything will be forgotten? Are we starting too late, not giving participants enough time to prepare their heart and mind and to get to know their other team members? And are we spending enough time together in training? Those are all really important questions to ask in your trip setup. And then biblical. Is there a focus on biblical character development? What are we doing to develop godly character or to spiritually prepare our teams beforehand? Is our training in line with the word of God? Are we drawing people to God for their motivation to serve? So those are questions to bring up in that time where you're setting those motivations and examining those motivations, right? It's okay if their motivations are not necessarily in the right place beforehand, but training will help align their motivations, bringing any necessary awareness to selfish motivation so that they can be addressed beforehand. Uh, Tim Dearborn says, our motivations are like rudders that steer our emotional ship. They control our attitude, influence our behavior, and determine the tone of our experience. 
So the reality is we're all sinful people, right? So our helping will often hurt other people when our prime motivation for helping is really just to help ourselves. Um, Our motivations determine our willingness to set aside our own goals and desires, as well as our willingness to be corrected, both of which are key to serving well as imperfect people. And you touched on that idea before, right? This idea of how important our motivations are. We know we're going to have mixed motivation, but we want to bring that to our attention. Um, Then let's see what else. The second key indicator is ongoing training and equipping. So for this one, we use a really simple before, during, and after model. It's built upon an experiential educational framework. And simply put, it acknowledges the fact that Training doesn't just happen before the trip, but that learning is a continual process. So for our short-term teams to experience the most transformation, we need to keep all of these stages before, during, and after in mind when we're designing our trips. In the before stage, we're training before the trip in order to provide our framework of understanding. Then we want to keep that training going even during the trip itself on location. We continue learning together And that happens primarily through intentional reflection, right? Every time that the team engages in some kind of experience throughout the day, we want to take the time to intentionally reflect upon it. And then we need to look at what comes after this. We make a plan for how to keep learning after the trip comes to an end through focused debrief times. And we have a number of different guidelines that we use for that kind of end of trip debrief and then talking about reentry. Uh, We've also created a unique re-entry journal that's available online for purchase for any teams, um, and it really helps participants keep processing and applying their short-term experience into their daily life upon their return home. Um, It's designed to be about seven to 10 days worth of kind of some key guided reflections as they come home and come off of the field. And then the last key indicator was on qualified trainers. Yeah, having qualified trainers is really important. I would say just because someone may be a good trip leader does not necessarily mean that they will be a good trainer. And that's probably one of the the biggest things that I can share with churches in particular. I see a lot of churches kind of have their program set up so that the team leader will be the trainer for the team. Um, But just because they're a good leader doesn't mean they're going to be a good trainer. Um, Additionally, team leaders themselves should be receiving some kind of separate or additional training to serve for their specific role as the leader. So those are some things to keep in mind. Um, I think a good trainer has to have excellent communication skills, but be knowledgeable in how to adapt curriculum for each unique audience that they might have, and that they should be coming with a wealth of firsthand experience to share with the team. So I would encourage teams to consider utilizing multiple people with various kind of expertise and backgrounds for the different aspects of training. So for example, someone with a wealth of cultural knowledge and experience may not necessarily be the best person to lead the team building exercises or the spiritual emphasis of the training. You know, think about all of the people you have at your disposal of who would be the best person to train on the different topics that you want to cover for your trip. Yeah, thank you for touching on all of those subjects and how Touch the World has incorporated them. I love this aspect of thinking about trainers versus leaders. Um, We appoint a team leader to take our teams. They have to be somebody who's traveled over before uh, and has shown good leadership and what I like to call executive functioning experience. Um, And I usually do the leading of our training, uh, mostly because I'm not a very good team leader. (laughs) 
But um, one thing we've also seen is having team members who have traveled over before being able to comment on the experiences and give sort of a firsthand account is something that really has been impactful for others to be able to understand what's going on and, and the experience. So we've talked a bit about training and a lot of different things that can go into it, cultural training, poverty training. And it sounds like a lot. It sounds like, you know, a lot of mission teams start off and they're like, yeah, we had a packing meeting and we made sure everyone knew where their plane tickets were. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is a lot more involved than that. From your perspective, how much training should a short-term team, should they have uh, even more in-depth things like learning a language or uh, having to read a bunch of books on the country or on the topic of missions? And how do you see that training differ for short-term versus long-term mission teams? Let me touch on long-term first. Um, Generally, there's a lot of wonderful sending organizations who have had decades of experience in training long-termers. And that for someone looking to serve long-term, absolutely, they should not go without any training. They should be getting training and they should be seeking out one of those organizations that provides that. Hopefully, it's through their own sending agency. I would also specifically recommend, I know a lot of the folks over at Train International based in Joplin, Missouri, They are a fantastic kind of neutral party if you're looking for more long-term service preparation. Uh, So if maybe your sending agency doesn't necessarily provide anything, they'd be a great place to go and partner with. Uh, So that's what I can say about long-term. There's a lot of other things that long-termers would need to know. But in regards to short-term missions training, which is really my area of expertise, I would say no, participants do not need to know the language aside from maybe a few helpful phrases. So the reality is that most short-term trips that would happen where language is a barrier, there should be an interpreter who's provided, uh, whether that's the host themselves or somebody else that can be provided for the team. And if the trip is truly done in partnership, then there's no way that the host would want to receive a team without there being some language provided. So whether through an interpreter or having team members who are coming who already speak some of the language. Uh, So to answer your question on do they need to know the language? No. Um, And I would also say that no, short-term teams do not necessarily need to read a lot of books. Uh, Really, for any of our teams, we don't have any required reading. Although if someone is really interested in diving deeper into a training topic, we would certainly provide a lot of recommendations for that. But I would say what's most important for short-term training is just setting aside the time to lay out the expectations and paint a vision of partnership to provide enough opportunity for your team members to gain a posture of humility for them to realize they need to be going as a learner. And then also to allow the team to bond together and to spiritually prepare each person before they go. So I won't necessarily suggest that there's a perfect formula for how long training is. A lot of it depends on the makeup of your team and how much experience they've already had. Um, But I would recommend generally to begin preparation, usually some sort of at least six months prior to the trip, and then at least one intensive training period. That's at least a weekend minimum. Um, Typically, I recommend having six to eight meetings beforehand, if that's kind of the format that you're in. But getting a longer period of time together instead of just short one-hour meetings here or there is really, really important and I think really changes the dynamic for the teams themselves. Um, I would also highly suggest holding some of the training and preparation on any kind of neutral ground. So like not at the church um, or not in a place where you typically meet 
and to have something that will go at least overnight or even two nights if possible. So the reason that I say that is because it really allows participants to truly disconnect from their other responsibilities at home. Um, I'm sure people can testify to you have a meeting at church and it's like, oh, well, I can only come for this amount of time because I've got, you know, this soccer game that's going on and I'll have to leave early or I have this other meeting that's going on. Um, when you have a training time that's set aside where you're going away to kind of an offsite place that requires them to have to get all of their other responsibilities done so that they can really fully be present with the training, uh, fully engage in the learning process, and also to just build bonds with the other team members that they're going to be serving with. Yeah, I think that bonding experience is also really key and important because they learn from each other and they feed from each other in terms of behavior and actions and uh, things like yeah. that. And the other aspect of getting like kind of on neutral ground or doing something offsite is it just gives people a little taste of being uncomfortable. And most likely wherever they're going to serve, they're going to be very uncomfortable. So it kind of like takes baby steps towards not having, you know, your bed to sleep in and not having your shower, like removing some of those elements of comfort and convenience um, to see how people deal with that and to help use that as a, as a training part as well. That's good. Yeah. I think the uncomfortable thing is that I make them have two hour meetings. <laughs> Listening to me talk for two hours is uncomfortable for anyone, I'm sure. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about goals. What are our goals for mission teams? What are our goals in training? Uh, and I think we should go a little bit more in depth in that. Can you comment some more on that? Yeah, I think we could look at it as what are the goals or kind of what are we hoping that the participants are walking away from after going through training, right? So the goals for them should be in line with the objectives of how you're setting up your training. So whatever your learning objectives are for your training and the objectives of your trip. So again, this goes back to answering the question, what do you want your team members to know, be able to do and to be like? So within Touch the World, I'll use that as as an example, um, we utilize our mission principles. So we have eight core mission principles, and we use those to kind of shape our learning objectives. These are the things that we want our team members to kind of know and be able to do and to be like. So some of those are, we want them to realize that mission is a lifestyle, that this trip is not just a one-time experience or an item on a checklist that, you know, checks off their spiritual growth, but that it's truly an opportunity for them to learn how to live on mission and participate in God's kingdom wherever they might go. And so our time of training is going to be focused on emphasizing the fact that you're not better than anybody else just because you're going on this trip, um, you know, in terms of where you are spiritually, but that this trip itself is also not the means to the end, right? It's just a part of the journey and the process and that the trip itself um, hopefully will not just be a one-time experience, but that it'll really translate into life change once they come back. Another thing would be, I've already said it again, but um, it's so important, is that partnership matters. We want them to understand during the training just the level of importance and kind of the pivotal role that the missionary host or the local leader plays 
And the fact that that host is taking a risk on inviting them into their community. And I think that's something that's so important that has to be communicated to the teams that, that they recognize kind of the gravity of what's at stake in them going into this new community to serve. Um, and that that'll hopefully bring some responsibility with them as well. We also say that God is already there. So no short-term team brings Jesus anywhere. Rather, we have the opportunity to find out where God is already at work and join in. And so we incorporate that idea within within our training. And that's really a goal that we have for our participants is that they'll walk away saying, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not bringing Jesus. I'm not superior in any type of way, but I'm, I'm getting to go and participate in God's mission. Um, poverty is brokenness. We talked about that already, but again, realizing how important this is, this is a huge goal of our training for our participants is that they can break down this us versus them mentality. Um, building empathy across cultures and across differences is also a key goal for our goers. And one more would be ask before assuming. So that is another one of our mission principles and another goal that teams will be prepared to ask questions so that their good intentions do not cause unintentional harm and that they utilize the gift of being able to ask questions in order to, to really build meaningful relationships with the people they're going to serve alongside. So those would be some of the goals I think we we have for our participants. Very simple, very simple goals. Yeah. Easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like the piece about uh, the experience that you touched on. Um, we, in our interest meeting, always tell teams that we're not sending them on a life-changing experience, but uh, that a experience that will change their life that is a part of God's overall story of changing us to be more like him. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about uh, different aspects of training, deep uh, cultural and um, uh, emotional changes and self-realization that has to go with training teams that's really far beyond uh, learning just a couple of words in the language or uh, developing a, a plan for the projects. So for organizations that are out there listening to this that are really struggling with determining even how to start training teams, what's some of the most important things that they can do? I'll start by saying if you're, this may sound harsh, but if you're willing to send a team without training, like then you shouldn't be sending teams. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, but you know, sometimes we think, well, it's some good will still come out of it, but I think there's so much that's lost if you're not willing to put anything into it. Um, so first maybe ask yourself, how much do we have built into the budget for training? If it's like 1% of the trip cost, there's there's maybe a problem there, right? We need to we need to look at that because that's communicating what we value most about this experience. So I'll just start by saying that. But um, some other important things that you can do, I think incorporate some of some mission principles into your trip planning stage. Like we've got our own mission principles. You can create your own. What are the things that are going to guide your program? Um, so ask before assuming and partnership matters. Those are mission principles that are really pivotal to a successful trip. I think too many short-term teams um, and trips, they often see their missionary hosts or the local leader 
as kind of a means to an end with the end being a good experience for them and for their team. So by remembering that that missionary host is the host and really seeing ourselves as the guest, you will learn how to ask questions about the actual needs and how to best support the ministry on the ground. Um, so in essence, the most important thing an organization can do is really to just listen well to what the host truly needs from a team and then to design a training program that will meet those requested needs. Um, you know, if you're not asking questions of your host before you go, but you're telling your host what you want your team to do, that should also be a little bit of a red flag for you. So making sure that you're really listening well to what the actual needs are from your hosts. Uh, the other thing I would say is just start somewhere. If you're currently not offering any training, build in a few mandatory meetings, uh, whether they're in person or virtual, um, but make sure that there's a few times that you're going to meet together before your trip. If you're already meeting a few times, you could consider what topics are not being covered and try to add something new into your program. I think a lot of times we focus on the logistics or I see a lot of teams that focus so much on we've got to cover all of these logistics. Logistics can definitely be shared in a PDF or in an email. Um, they don't have to necessarily be shared in person. And so looking at the time that you have available and rethinking what's the best way and the best use of that time. Can we push off some of the logistical information to just an email or, uh, you know, a typed up paper a document that's sent out to everybody and you ask them to read it? And that way, our actual time together can be focused on covering and diving into some of these topics and for the team to actually get to know each other. Um, and then the other thing I would say is if you're currently only focusing on one of the two topics that we talked about, culture or poverty, uh, to try incorporating an aspect of the other into your training. Make sure that you kind of have a balance of both of those. And yeah, starting somewhere with just a desire to grow will ultimately start to make a shift in doing missions better. Yes. Yeah. Starting somewhere. Mm -hmm. We have been working to revamp our missions training so that most of the logistical aspects are actually covered in videos mm -hmm. uh, that you can independently watch. We make them take a quiz to prove that they've watched it and understand what shots they need and all those sorts of things. Um, and then spend the meetings getting together and fellowshipping and talking about the topics at hand. So uh, that's a strategy we've employed. We're not perfect at it yet. Uh, we're still learning the best way to make sure our teams are effective and kind and respectful of our hosts and our partnerships. But Yeah, absolutely. Start somewhere. And then just one last thing that I'll add is, you know, you said you're not perfect. Like neither are we, even though we've been doing this for so many years, we are always constantly evaluating what we could be doing better. And a lot of that evaluation will come from the feedback from our hosts. So hearing from them, like, tell us what did this team do really well? And we want to keep training them in that area. And were there any blind spots? Were there things that they kind of missed the mark on that we can be sure to address next time we train a team for that location? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we'll do an episode on that as well. Engaging in partnership and discussing an evaluation. Yeah. All right. So we always ask our guests uh, in our episodes, what is something that you were optimistic about? I am most optimistic and hopeful about the next generation's involvement in missions. I think that Gen Z is 
one of the most skeptical generations because they have the access to see how harm has been done before, often in the name of Jesus. And therefore, they are not shy to talk about the problems associated with short-term missions. So if we want to reach this next generation and raise up future missionaries, we cannot be afraid to explicitly acknowledge those shortcomings of the past. Um, When young people see that there is an emphasis and a desire on taking a new approach with a goal to help without hurting, then they are on board and ridiculously passionate and effective. Um, I'm just so excited for what I've seen. We trained about 140 students over the summer um, and just their, yeah, their, their passion and their desire to truly learn was astounding and so encouraging to me. So I would just say like, There's so many people, I think, today in our church culture who are often kind of down on this next generation, on Gen Z, and I'm just extremely hopeful for how they will move forward in God's mission when they receive thoughtful training, because they want it, um, and when they prepare in ways that shows that we are meeting kind of the concerns that they have about how we're engaging in mission. And when we do that, we can also kind of meet their heart's desire for identity and belonging and purpose. And that's what young people are looking for. And so short-term missions is just an incredible opportunity to to meet their heart's desires for those things, um, but also give them a platform for for being change agents in the future. And so I'm just super optimistic about what the future holds for missions right now. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. The people who study population statistics are saying that this generation of young people is one of the largest generations of the like, you know, 16 to 25 range that has ever lived on the earth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the decisions that they make have the ability to impact our world for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years. So investing in those young people is super important. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Optimistic Voices. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat with you. It is a big, messy world out there, and there is absolutely no shortage of need. But we here at Optimistic Voices believe that with radical courage and radical collaboration, together we can change the world. Thanks for working with this and that. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, You can find us at Helping Children Worldwide on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Hashtag Optimistic Voices Podcast.